powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's make that confession of faith. It's on the screen. Bishop, why do we make a confession before we get into the word? Because what you confess becomes what you possess. That's why we do that, all right? I'm ready to hear, then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go. So we started a series on Wednesday called A New Altitude, not A New Attitude, even though we're going to talk about attitude, but A New Altitude. And we're looking at words throughout this series that end in ood. Can I get you to say that? Ood, ood. Not food, but ood, right? And we're looking at these words because words that end in ood, they affect our altitude because the suffix or the end part, U-D-E, ood, it means to take action and to change something. So nine times out of ten, when you see a word that ends with U-D-E, that word means you got to change something. So think about it. Uh, when you think of altitude, that means the level you're at. It's changing. When you think of gratitude, that means gratis. That means extra uh, 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 ood action, which means I'm doing extra action. So that's why a tip is called gratuity because it's extra action. It means it was something more than the food actually cost. So check this out. Uh, ood means to take action and to change something. And so there's some changes. Look at me. There's some changes in you that need to match what God's about to do. I'm going to say it again. There are some changes in you that need to match what God's about to do. Why would you want to be at a new altitude and still have a stank attitude? You ain't saying nothing to me. Why would you want uh, to be able to be walking in debt freedom, but you haven't changed your bad budgeting mentality? Why would you want for God to bring you new friends, but you still a disloyal one? See, there's things in you that need to change to match what God is about to do, especially as we enter the spring biblical feast. They start on Wednesday with the Feast of Passover. Please listen to me. If you're not someone that normally comes to church on Wednesday or normally streams on Wednesday, first of all, you ain't busy. You available on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, unless you're working, you got what I'm saying? Ain't like you out just driving around, got appointments and stuff. On Wednesday, you've got to watch because we begin the spring 
biblical feast and the first is Passover which means I need you to realize you're in a supernatural season I need you to realize you're in a supernatural time why bishop because the feast represent when God says I want to have a meeting with my people and it was right before the feast that there were 10 plagues that were affecting the Egyptians to get them to let the people go. And I need you to know what's going on in the earth, can I be honest with you, is supernatural. You better hear me. It's supernatural because of its timing. And I told you on Wednesday that when you get to the feast, it's the timing of God. There's two words for timing in Greek. Let's go back to Wednesday for a moment. The first is chronos, which is chronological time. One, two, three, four, five. But then the second word is kairos, and kairos means a quality of time, which means you can get more done with a kairos moment than you can with chronos. See, in kairos, you can get something that would normally take five weeks. You can get it done in five minutes. So what did I tell you on Wednesday? That the timing that we're in is not just your turn, but it's also your time, which means your time and your turn have aligned, and now God says, I'm ready to take you to a new altitude. Can I get you to open your mouth and release that? Say, I'm going to a new altitude. Come on, come on. No, you need to say it, watch me, so that every hater that said you wasn't going to make it, you wasn't going to accomplish nothing, every ex that said you nobody wanted you, nobody would be with you, every time you doubted yourself and spoke negativity over yourself, I need you to open your mouth and release it and say, I'm going to a new altitude. So watch this. This past Wednesday, we learned several things that we need to exclude. That was the question. What do you need to exclude? So ood, action, X out. What do you need to put out of your life to increase your altitude? Sometimes, if you've ever watched a rocket take off, as the rocket is taking off, there are things that fall off of it because while they were good at this level, hear me, they are too heavy at this level. Y'all better hear me. There are certain people that were good at this level of life. But watch me, but because they don't want to grow with you and because they don't want to go to a new altitude with you, it's time for them to fall off. See, watch me. Uh, there are some relationships, but let's just tell the truth. Y'all were codependent. Both of y'all just wanted somebody to be with somebody. Y'all ain't said nothing. But now watch me that you finally gotten a glimpse of who you are. Uh, listen, they got to fall off. There are certain things that as your altitude increases, things have to fall off of you. And I need you, watch me, I need you to be okay with that. Can I get a few of you to type that on the screen? that struggle with change because some of y'all struggle with ood you struggle with change you struggle when things aren't normal which is why what's going on in the world what is god doing he's making you okay with quick change mm. he's making you okay with change that happens swiftly he's making you have to adjust and adjust quickly because sometimes in life as your altitude increases you're gonna have to learn your circle's gonna have to change and it's gonna change just like that as the altitude is increasing watch me as the altitude is increasing, there are certain things that have to be excluded, certain things that have to be put off, put away. And we learn this from Exodus 4. What happens in Exodus 4? God tells Moses to go to Egypt to be what he's called to be. See, Moses' name, it means, watch this, to draw out of. He was named this because he was drawn out of the Nile River. But his name is a prophetic name. What does that mean? To prophesy, to foretell and to foretell. See, to foretell, it means, watch me, it means that I am declaring something to be on the schedule. To foretell means it's already on the schedule. I'm just telling you it's there. Moses' name literally is prophetic. It foretells and it foretells. It tells you where he came from, but it tells you where he's headed. Shut up. 
It tells you his origin, but it also tells you his opportunity. Why? Moses was going to be used to draw his people out of Egyptian slavery for 430 years. And I told you on Wednesday, you need to know what your name means because every time your name is used, that's what the Bible says, he'll make your name great. What does that really mean? It ain't about your name being in light. It's about what your name means being what you live out. Y'all miss what I just said right there. So in Exodus 4, God says, Moses, you're about to do what I've called you to do. You're about to live up to your name. Mm. You're about to be what it is I sent you to do. You're about to be the deliverer for your people. You're about to draw them out of Egyptian slavery. And Moses gives God many excuses. And watch what Moses says in Exodus 4.13. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Stop. God Almighty has come to visit you. He's never dealt with any of your people that are currently alive the way he's dealing with you. He dealt with Abraham. He dealt with Isaac. He dealt with Jacob. Watch me. Now he's dealing with you, and he's dealing with you directly. And Moses, your response when God says, I pick you, is please, Lord, send someone else. Now watch me. His excuses are sinister. What does that mean? They, they've got an evil side. What's the evil side? Because his excuses reveal his pride. Mm. Can I be honest with you? Every time you make an excuse, what you're really revealing is pride. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Can I be honest with you? Grown people do what they want to do. So the reason you didn't get it done is because there's some pride in you that's directing you. And I need you to hear me. I need you to open up your mouth and say, Lord, forgive me for my pride. I'm about to show you something. Hear me, digital campuses, you've never, ever seen before about Moses. So look, when we look at this, let me teach you this. Because today's message is called practicing gratitude when Moses is invited by God to be the deliverer for his people you think this dude would say thank you I'm honored you chose me out of all of who you could have used you decided to use me Moses couldn't talk right and he was a murderer he had a record and he wasn't that good shut your mouth what's amazing is to watch people get arrogant and you ain't even that good None of us should be arrogant. None of us should be prideful. But how the heaven, hell, and earth you going to be arrogant and prideful and you ain't even that good at what you do? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me right there. Moses was supposed to be thankful. He was supposed to have gratitude. And here's the first thing I want to teach you about practicing gratitude. Watch me. Gratitude gives God its all. Moses, at that moment, if he wasn't full of pride, Moses would have said, oh, my God. Because when he met God at the burning bush, he was taking his shoes off. Oh, this is holy ground. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Moses would have been thankful. He would have said, Lord, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for picking me. I know I got a record, and I know I'm even not, not even that good, which means you didn't pick me because of skill. You picked me because you saw some in me. Mm. You didn't pick me just because of talent. You picked me because you saw something in me. Can I be honest with you? It's offensive to tell God no when he invites you to the table. It's offensive for somebody of, of, watch me, for somebody of power to invite you to be a part of what they're doing and for you to disrespect and dishonor the invitation. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Look, gratitude gives God its all. Let me show you a scripture. Let's jaywalk real quick. Let's jump over here. Second Chronicles 31, 21. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, and every work that he began in what? Service of the house of God. 
in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and he prospered. Look at me. It's amazing to me how many of you all give relationships your all, but you won't give God your all. You give, you give being on the phone with people your all, but you won't give God your all. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Watch me. You'll give your kids your all, but you won't give your God your all. You'll give people your all, but you won't give God your all. Watch me. You'll give fear your all, because some of y'all didn't sleep it last night, because fear kept you up. You'll give anxiety your all, but you won't give God your all. You'll give, watch me, panic your all, but you won't give God your all. But I need somebody that believes, watch me, that this word is already speaking to you. I need you to lift one of your hands and say, Lord, I give you all of me. Come on. Say it again. I give you all of me. See, notice when he gave God his all, he prospered, which explains why some of y'all struggle. It's because you can fake me out. You can do all the shalom, sir, and all the stuff you want to do in front of me. But God says, I see your heart. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And as your pastor, I want everybody connected to harvest. Everybody connected to me. I want you prospering. What does that mean? You are living large. What does that mean? You are shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Nothing lacking. All is well. And you are successful. The Bible says, watch me. That he did it with all his heart. What's that? His mind. He's like, I'm all in. He's like, God gave me an opportunity to serve his house. I'm doing it with everything. Watch me. Moses should have responded, God, if you want to send me, I'm just, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Instead, Moses is like, can you just send somebody else? You disrespectful. Rude American. Y'all ain't saying that. <laughs> he wasn't an American, but you get my point. <laughs> you get my point. Watch me. How in the world do you get invited to do what you're called to do and run? Pride. So watch me. Pride. Here it is. Y'all ain't never seen what I'm about to show you. Just like on Wednesday, you never knew God was going to kill Moses. Watch me. Pride is an emotion. Now, what is an emotion? E out of Motion, change. Got it? Out of change, we respond. Those are our emotions. If something changes that makes you sad, you cry. Sad, the emotion. If something changes that brings you joy, you get happy, you respond. So when something changes, these are our emotions, which means this. Look at me. Emotions, look at me, are control tactics. Ooh. See, some, some of y'all walking around, even right now, because you're in quarantine, and you're getting an attitude with your kids, and an attitude with your spouse, and an attitude, because you ain't used to being around them this much. And you're getting all kinds of attitudes, and you said, they say one more thing, if they smack one more chip, what you supposed to do? Chips make noise. How you quietly eat chips? Y'all ain't going to talk to me today at this church, all right? Well, watch me, watch me. What happens is that your emotions are trying to get control. Let me tell you why some people give you the silent treatment. They want control. See, if I give you the silent treatment, it's a control tactic to make you keep asking me what's wrong. So now I control what you do. Y'all ain't talking. So emotions are a control tactic, which means pride is a control tactic. Pride is trying not to be hurt, but instead it makes decisions that hurt itself. It's an emotion, which is an inflated sense of your status. Ooh, you think you further than you are. Mm. It's an inflated sense of accomplishment. You think that because you were prom queen at Cleveland Heights in 89, that somebody owe you something today. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Watch. 
is synonymous with hubris, H-U-B-R-I-S. Hubris is to be overconfident. Now check this out. There's nothing wrong with confidence, but what overconfidence does is it doesn't have all the facts, but it's decided, watch me, that it, that it doesn't need to prepare. You missed me. Overconfidence doesn't have all the facts, but it's decided I don't need to prepare. Uh, overconfidence says I don't need to prepare. I know that. No, you're overconfident, which means you're hubris, which means you have pride problem. Watch me. And it's arrogance. What is arrogance? It's a sense of superiority. I'm better than because of a metric I made up. See, arrogant people have made up something in their head that they use as a measuring rod to determine whether or not they're better than somebody else. So some people say, I got more money than these people, so I'm, I'm better than them. Now, realize that you may have more money, but you don't have more favor. Ah! Which means, watch me, you got to pay for what you get. God, get, make somebody give it to me. Y'all ain't said nothing. Got it? It, it? It's a ridiculous measuring rod that people use. Got it? It's a sense of superiority. Watch this. A sense of, watch me, self-importance. You think you're more important than the big picture. You think what you want is more important than what, watch me, than the big picture. And it's amazing because right now, that spirit is rampant in the land. You got people who are, are putting themselves above systems and structures and leadership and order and all of that. Because I'm going to do what I got to do. You better be careful because your house might be the house the plague hit. You got to be careful when you see, when you have a sense of self-importance that makes you think you are better than what needs to be done, better than other people. And then here's the last one, entitlement. Mm. Entitlement means I'm owed something. Why? Because I'm here. And y'all remember when Chick-fil-A, excuse me, a chicken company used to give samples in the mall? Um, Chick-fil-A's used to be predominantly in malls, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, okay? Uh, uh, they used to be in malls predominantly. That's how Chick-fil-A grew. You know what Chick-fil-A would do to, to help grow their business? Is that they'd have a person stand outside and they would hold cutlets of the chicken with a little, little uh, uh, toothpick in them. Now listen, if you were like me, I walked past one time, let me get one of them samples. And then depending on who was giving the samples, I'd be like, can I get two? And then you'd have that occasional person who act like if, you get, if they gave you two, they were taking it out their kid's mouth. Like, you can give me two. You act like you ain't going, like your kids ain't going to eat tonight because you're giving me two. That's how they be doing at Chipotle. You be, let me have a little, little bit more. They be acting like, if I give you more sour cream, my kids ain't eating tonight. <laughs> okay, maybe this is me. Then watch. And then I would walk past again. Uh, saying, you know, let me get one of them samples. I try to change my voice or something, walk a little different. Let me get one of them samples. I just, this is a long time ago. This is a long time ago. This is Bob's Bishop. Long time ago. Now, check this out. Entitlement says, thank you for the sample. Watch me. You owe me that. You were doing it as a courtesy. But now entitlement says, what you were doing out of grace, I'm owed. Mm. What you were doing out of mercy, you owe me that now. And that's the danger sometimes. Watch me. There's some people in your life you've had a lot of grace with, a lot of mercy with, and now they feel entitled to it. Uh, Y'all ain't going to say that to me. But listen to me. Every leader, every business owner, there's certain people you ain't fired yet. And now because you ain't given what they deserve, watch me, and you had mercy with them. Now they feel entitled to act how they want to act. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me right there. So, so look at this. That's what pride does. It, let, me, let me give it to you again. It's an inflated sense of your status or accomplishment. 
It's synonymous with hubris, which is overconfidence and arrogance. It's a sense of superiority, self-importance, and entitlement. And look at me, everybody. Pride practices the opposite of what we should. See, pride doesn't practice gratitude. Pride practices ingratitude. What does that mean? Pride is ungrateful. You ever met somebody ungrateful? Everything you do for them, they, they, you, know, you owe me that. Oh, watch me. You've heard this line. I didn't ask you to do that. Well, I guess I should have just left you out there to struggle and die. Y'all got it? Ungrateful. And here's this line, this line, this line, this line. When I read this, I was like, God, this is good. It doesn't feel nor show gratitude. See, ingratitude, it doesn't feel like it needs to be thankful, nor does it show it. See, it's one thing to not know how to show me you're thankful. It's another thing for you not even to think that you need to be thankful. I need everybody in the building, everybody online, open your mouth and say, Lord, forgive me for my pride. Say, I'm grateful and I'm thankful. But let's go further because ingratitude means, watch me, it doesn't show, feel nor show gratitude. It doesn't feel nor show thanks. It doesn't feel nor show appreciation. Which means, what's appreciation? For something to appreciate, that means value is added. Which means, if something adds value to you, you should add value to it. Ingratitude says, thank you for what you did. I'm out. I got everything from you I could. Now I'm done with you. Mm. And I pray that anybody that's been using you. I pray that anybody that's has simply been trying to take from you. I pray that you'd open your eyes and see clearly right now in Jesus' name. It means, watch me, watch this next line. You ready? Not agreeable. Here's what agreeable means by definition. Doesn't follow instructions. Ah! It doesn't follow instructions. Can I be honest with you, Christians? And for those of you that are not Christians, in a minute, in about 13, 14 minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to become one. Look at me. Christians are some of the most, let me, no, let me change how I'm going to say it. Sometimes, some Christians could be some of the most non-agreeable people on the planet. Always got something to say. Always do. You don't do that at your job. Why do you think you can do it in God's church? You wouldn't do it with Jeff Bezos. Why do you think he can do it with Bishop Foreman? Y'all ain't saying that to me. It means doesn't follow instructions. Like how you expect to get results and you don't follow instructions. Listen, everybody know I can't cook, <laughs> except for breakfast food. And even that, lately, these last few weeks, I just said, I don't think this ain't for me. This is not my calling anymore. I'm, I can't have no more grits. I don't want no more biscuits. I don't want no more eggs. I don't want no more waffles. I don't want no more honey. I don't want no, I, I don't want no more for right now. Watch me. <laughs> so yesterday for breakfast, I had, uh, I had pasta. <laughs> I, had, I, I had meatballs and pasta and garlic bread for breakfast. Because I said, I just can't do regular breakfast no more. Watch. Here's the thing. If I don't follow the instructions on the box, okay, or whatever, I'm not going to get the results. Which means, watch me, by definition, I'm not agreeable. Which means I'm not grateful for the fact that I was privileged to be told what to do. You missed it. Being given instructions is a privilege. Because it, it makes you avoid wasting time. Come on here, y'all. When you're given instructions, it's a privilege where we should be grateful because it means I get to avoid having to waste time, having to waste energy, and having to waste some money. I need everybody to open your mouth and say, Lord, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Let's go further. It means, then, here's the last definition of ingratitude. It means repellent. 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 You ever got some new shoes, suede shoes? 
sprayed them down so that when them water drops hit, glide off, glide off. You can just wipe it down, <laughs> wipe it down, wipe it down. Watch. Repellent means that what, watch me, look at me. Repellent means that what's supposed to penetrate doesn't. Repellent means that things that are supposed to come to you don't want you. Bishop, what do you mean by that? You can see just how um, Moses' ingratitude was repellent to God. What do you mean, Bishop? In Exodus 4.24, Moses' pride was so repellent to God, he was going to be put to death. Y'all didn't hear that. Moses' pride and ingratitude in Exodus 4.24 was so repellent to God that God said, I'm going to kill him. I love him, but I don't, look at me, I don't have to tolerate his attitude. Mm. I don't have to put up with his ingratitude. I don't have to put up with him not being thankful. I'm so glad. We about to take a praise break for about five seconds. I'm so glad that in my moments of ingratitude that the Lord saw beyond my faults and he spoke to my knee. Can you just take five seconds and worship God that he kept you even when you weren't grateful? That he protected you even when you were not grateful. He should have let you die, but he didn't. He should have let you lose everything, but he didn't. He should have let you be homeless and put out on the street. But God, I need you to holler thank you. There's a Hebrew word for thank you. It's called toda. I need you to just act like a Hebrew for a moment and say toda. Watch me. Moses doesn't practice gratitude at all. So God, God is so repellent. God is like, listen, Moses, I'm done. I'm done. And if you read the story, Zephora, she ends up circumcising her son, putting some of that blood on Moses so that the blood, watch me, covers Moses so that death passes over Moses. Mm. Got to read the story for yourself. And you want to know what Moses doesn't do? Moses doesn't tell Zephora, thank you. He doesn't tell her son, thank you. Nor does he say thank you to God because Moses is entitled. Moses feels like, well, you know, dude, watch me. Here's, this, here's the second thing about gratitude to practice it. Gratitude grows in. What do you mean goes in? Goes in is a harvest phrase, really a, a general church phrase, but it's a harvest phrase. It means that when it comes to praise, prayer, and worship, it means that we get wild. There's a word for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah comes from a Hebrew word, Hallel, which means to act wild, to act like a fool, to be clamorous. Check this out. Moses, God was about to kill you because your pride and ingratitude and ungratefulness were repellent to him. That's what the Bible says. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. He's like, I'm not even helping you struggle. I'm not even going to help your marriage because y'all both arrogant. I'm not even going to help your relationship because y'all both have ingratitude. And I don't have to put up with that. Look at me, Christians. I know this is strong for a Sunday, but just look at me. God doesn't have to put up with our attitude. I know you got folk in your life that put up with it, so you think and you feel entitled like everybody got to put up. But that's just how she is. Ain't nobody got to put up with Joe just that's just how she is. Y'all ain't saying nothing right there. Ain't nobody got to put up with you. Just know I'm going through. Everybody right now has got changes going on. You're not the only one in the midst of changes. You don't get to act a fool and other people deal with it. Okay? Gratitude goes in. Moses, after he saw that the Lord passed over him and didn't put him to death, Moses should have said, thank you, Zephora. Thank you, Zephora, son. And you know what he should have did? Moses should have started praising. 
Moses should have started dancing. <laughs> Moses should have started giving God glory because gratitude goes in. Hebrews 13 and 15. By him, therefore, let us offer, here it is, the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledges them. Which means once Moses saw that God had allowed him to live, Moses should have just gone up in praise and worship. Moses should have been jumping, hollering, running, screaming. Some of you say, Bishop, I can't do that. I'm in an apartment. You better do what you can do. Just get in your corner and go like this here. Open that front door. Open that front door for a minute and get you a dance in the hallway. God says, I'll dare you not give me glory after I spared you. I'll dare you not give me glory after you recovered from coronavirus. I'll dare you not give me the glory. I need everybody for three seconds to just go crazy. One, two, three, go. Three, two, come on, y'all. One, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now look, Moses, Moses doesn't go in because pride, watch me, never sees itself. So pride has to fall to face itself. Mm. Pride doesn't see itself. Pride says, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's her, it's them, I'm good. Pride says, no, you don't understand. No, you don't get it. But watch me. So the only way pride sees itself is pride has to fall so pride can face itself. That's why Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What is fall? Look at me. Unnecessary affliction. There's some stuff you went through you didn't have to. Unnecessary breach. Unnecessary breaking. Unnecessary bruises. Unnecessary crash. Unnecessary hurt. And, and watch me. We see this in Moses' life. What do you mean, Bishop? We see this in Moses' life. Because let's look at Exodus 5 and 22. Let's look at Exodus 5 and 22. You see what we're doing? I'm walking you through the story of Moses, but I'm showing you stuff about Moses you never knew. You're about to see something that's going to make you throw your mic if you had a mic. Exodus 5, 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord. So in Exodus 5, they go, say, Pharaoh, let us go. Pharaoh says, not only am I not letting you go, make bricks with no straw, and you have to make the same amount of bricks. So the people come back to Moses saying, Moses, curse you. You know, we curse you. You be judged, Moses. We can't believe you've done this to us. We were good before you got here. Stop. The process to freedom starts with a fight. Y'all ain't talking to me. God. See, some of y'all talk about, I can't wait to be a boss. It starts with a battle. Some of y'all are saying, I can't wait to be debt free. It starts with destruction. Y'all better hear me. God says, I'm about to let you go, but baby, you're going to have to fight for it. And I need you to say, I got this. 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 Open your mouth and say, I got this. So look, 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 look. So here's the response. Watch Moses' response. Watch Moses' response. Exodus 5:22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Moses, who, who are you talking to? See, when you're prideful, you'll speak to people in a way that's going to get you hurt. Y'all didn't like that. Who you think you're talking to, Moses? Have you lost your natural mind? Y'all ain't saying that, Jimmy. See, what's amazing, watch me. People show their true colors, watch me, when their pride makes their mouth pronounce the truth. Because they're going to tell you how they really feel, what they really think, and you're going to discover the whole time, watch me, that who you met was a character, not the real live. Let's go. It says, it says, why have you done evil to this people? Look at the next line. Why did you ever send me? 
dude, these are the same conversations we've been having, which means you to this point. Pride projects. God, Moses is blaming God for the people. Now, look, y'all already know how to make bricks. You already know where to straw at. What's the problem? Shut up and get it done. You know why you got a problem? You're entitled. You feel entitled that you got to do what it is that you're actually supposed to do. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. You feel a sense of superiority. I'm too good to make bricks like that. And that's why some of you still making bricks because you think you're too good to do it. Y'all ain't say, I feel like, pre somebody sent me an Instagram saying, Bishop, preach like it's a fifth Sunday today. I think I might. I think I might. I think I might. Look, look, Proverbs 29, 23. Look at the arrogance of his statement. You did evil to these people. Why you send me? No, dude. Proverbs 29, 23. Jesus, Lord, keep my tongue. One's pride's going to bring him low. See, pride tries to exalt itself. Look at me. I ain't doing that. Ha. Huh. You got to. See, for everybody who you keep looking at friends who don't follow order, who don't follow protocol, who don't do what they're supposed to do, and you look at them flaunting their chest, I'm going to tell you what's about to happen to them. Don't follow that pattern because the Bible says their pride's going to take them down. Oh, it's going to take them down. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit or humble will obtain honor. So check this out. That word low, look at me, it means depressed and humiliated. Let me explain why many people are depressed because they're prideful. Let me tell you why many people feel humiliated because they're prideful. Moses felt humiliated that when he went to Pharaoh and it didn't work out the way he wanted to, he felt humiliated because Moses didn't walk in there with humility. Moses walked in there with arrogance. Pharaoh. Even if you look at the movie Ten Commandments, which isn't a direct replay of the Bible, but if you look at it, when Moses goes to Pharaoh, they said, where you come from? I come from the kingdom of the Most High. And he's going to move the other man's stick to, move, to tell the man to get out the way. You in another man's palace. You in another, look at me, when you're serving another man's vision, you serve it the way he won't, not the way you won't. Y'all miss me. <clears throat> Listen, so when you walk to Pharaoh with that arrogance and that pride, of course Pharaoh ain't going to hear you. So what ends up happening? Moses feels humiliated because he was arrogant when he went in there to make the request. You ever had somebody say, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill this. I'm going to do this. I got this. I got this. And then when they fail, they don't want to talk to nobody afterwards. Amen. How you got an attitude because you fail afterwards? The reason you got an attitude is because you feel depressed and humiliated. But I need everybody to open your mouth and say, in Jesus' name, I will not walk in pride. I will not walk in depression or humiliation. I'll humble myself. So I won't have to be humble. Which brings me to this point about gratitude. Gratitude gives up worry. Gratitude gives up worry. Why do you feel depressed and humiliated? Because you're worried about what you can't change. You feel humiliated because you're worried about what you can't change. Pharaoh said no. You can't change that. Got it? The people mad at you. You can't change. Look at me. Let me tell you something about people. Don't you live for their applause. Because you'll die when they stop giving it to you. Y'all better hear me. Don't you live for the people. Listen, I love hearing amazing things, but I don't live for that. I've learned, listen, thank you, praise God, give God the glory, keep it moving. Because I've watched the same people that celebrate me on Sunday crucify me by Sunday at 430. 
Y'all ain't saying that. You've seen the same thing happen. People that celebrated you one moment, then you find out the truth the next moment. Which means, listen, I need you not to even get bitter. Don't even get angry. Don't even walk in unforgiveness. Just say thank you. I got gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So here it is. Philippians 4, 6. Gratitude gives up word. Be careful or do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With what? Thanksgiving. What's that? Gratitude. Gratitude. Let's go. Gratitude. Get a little ratchet. Gratitude. <laughs> With gratitude, let your requests be made known to the Lord. Here's what God says. Don't worry about something you can't change. I need you to be thankful and pray about that. Keep it moving. Some of y'all say, I just don't know why so-and-so won't do that. I need you to stop worrying about what you can't change. Grown people going to do what grown people going to do. Got it? Keep it moving. I need some of y'all to type that on the screen, especially those of you that struggle with people and people issues, and you always got an art, you always got an issue, you always going through with somebody, it's always drama. Listen, ain't nobody got time for that in 2020. Keep it moving. <clears throat> so here's the thing. Let's keep moving. We're almost there. Moses keeps practicing this prideful pattern. Let's move forward to Exodus 6 and 12. Exodus 6 and 12. Exodus 6, God says, go tell the people, I'm their God. They're my people. We good. I'm going to give them freedom. Look at Moses' response. Verse 12. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How shall Pharaoh then listen to me? I'm of uncircumcised lips. We, we are really having these conversations again. I already told you, I'll tell you what to say. You tell Aaron what to say. You don't even listen, Moses. You don't follow instructions. Because pride, watch me, pride has patterns it won't correct. Pride has patterns it will not correct. Proverbs 26 and 11. This is good preaching here. Proverbs 26 and 11. A dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool, the word fool there means a prideful fool. Pride repeats his folly. Look at me. Pride repeats the same cycles and won't correct. Pride goes through the same stuff month after month, week after week, day after day, minute after minute, hour after hour, second after second, year after year, decade after decade. And pride says, I ain't changing nothing. Look at me. Okay. Moses keeps repeating this prideful cycle. And I need you to make this declaration over your life. Say, in the name of Jesus, I will interrupt every pattern that pride has created. Come on, I need y'all to say it like you mean it. Say, in the name of Jesus... I will interrupt every pattern that pride has created. So let's move forward. In Exodus 8, there, we're now in 10 plagues. And uh, there are 10 plagues that come. 10 is interesting because it's the number of divine perfection. Which means after 10, something will have been perfected. Come on here. <laughs> oh, what's mean? After 10, something will have been perfected. Now, in Exodus 8, as part of the 10 plagues, frogs take over the land. They take over. You know how we say we don't take sides, we take over? That's how them frogs did. Them frogs didn't take nobody's side. They took over. They were everywhere. Frogs were everywhere. And look at me. Pharaoh asked Moses to pray for the frogs to go. You missed that. Several of the plagues, Pharaoh would go to Moses and say, pray to your God and tell him to stop. Which means, look at me. Pharaoh actually wanted to let the people go. So why did God keep hardening Pharaoh's heart? Look at me. So Moses could see himself. 
You missed what I just said right there. Moses needed to see himself. And sometimes your enemy is a mirror so you can see you. Pharaoh was prideful so Moses could see sucker. You the prideful one. What have your enemies been showing you about yourself? Let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go. Let me go, let me go. Pharaoh has to ask Moses for the frogs to go. Pharaoh has to ask Moses for the hell to stop. And Moses would go pray and do it. Look at me, and I want to show you this, Exodus 8.15. Watch the Bible. It's on the screen. Exodus 8.15. But when Pharaoh saw there was a respite, what does that mean? Rest. Look at me. When the frogs left and they were no longer dealing with a storm, Pharaoh went back to who he used to be. Mm -mm. You missed what I just said. When the frogs left, see, some people, let's tell the truth, they only act right because they're going through something. They only pray because they're going through hell. They only act nice to you because you all they got left. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. But you got to be careful because pride will prolong what you're in because it pretends to change until the trouble is over. Look at the verse. But when Pharaoh saw that there was rest, what did he do? He hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord said. He said, I'm going to let you go. The storm ends. He says, I ain't going to do it no more. How many times have you made promises to God? When the frogs was jumping. And then when the frogs stopped jumping, you, you say, I ain't doing it no more. How many times have you said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to give you my all when the frogs are jumping. But then when the frogs ain't jumping no more, all of a sudden you jump ship. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Let's keep moving. God, this is good to me. Let's keep moving. I'm almost done. Exodus 11, 23. What am I doing? I'm walking you through the story. I'm walking you through the story to get you to where we're going Wednesday, which is Passover. Exodus 11, 23. Now. Look at this. In Exodus 11.23, I want you to see something. In Exodus 11.23, darkness. We're in one of the plagues. Darkness is over all of the land. Watch me. In Exodus 11.23, it says, They did not see one another, mm. nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all of the people of Israel had light where they lived. Shut up. The Egyptians were on social distancing and quarantine. But God's people could see the light. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. They were on social distancing and quarantine. But the light could be seen for God's people. And I need you to open your mouth and type it on the screen. I can see the light. And our light has a name. What's that name? Jesus the Christ. Alpha and Omega. King of Kings. The great I am. The same God that protected you last decade. He got you this decade. Hollywood say, I can see the light. Look at me. They're on social distancing. And quarantine. <laughs> Bible say, ain't nobody did anything they normally did. Because <laughs> it's darkness over the earth. But God's people had light where they were. And I just need you to say, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. I need you to see yourself coming out of this stronger. I need you to see yourself coming out of this better. I need you to see yourself coming out of this wiser. I need you to see yourself coming out of this with more power. I need you to see yourself coming out of this out of debt. Come on here. I need you to see yourself coming out of this better. Watch. Look. So look at the Exodus eleven twenty-eight. You ain't never seen this. Let me show you. Exodus eleven twenty-eight. Because see, you think this is the first time the world had to social distance and quarantine. God says, listen, I need you not to let that make you miss the light. Then Pharaoh said to them, so darkness is over the earth. Got it? Except God's people have light. 
Say it again. Say, I see the light. Watch. <laughs> Look at this. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Watch the line. Take care to never see my face again. The day you see my face, you, watch, you, say it with me, shall die. Say it with me one more time. You shall die. Pharaoh said, the next time I see you, Y'all ready? So let's look at this. Here it is. And we're done. Last scripture, last two scriptures we out of here. Exodus 12, 31. The last plague has come. The last plague was that the firstborn, look at me, of not just the sons, but the livestock. You missed it. Most of you think that the firstborn that died in Egypt were just the sons. The Bible says it was the sons and the firstborn livestock. See, you could argue that perhaps they just put something in the water or the food of the firstborn Egyptian sons, and it wasn't God. But when the firstborn of the Egyptian sons and the Egyptian livestock, it didn't happen to God's livestock. It happened to their livestock. I need you to open your mouth and say, I'm exempt from drama. Come on here. Say it. Say, I'm exempt from mess. Say it. Got it? So look at what happens in Exodus 12, 31. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night. This is Pharaoh saying, up, go from among my people, both you and all the people of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Problem! What's the problem, Bishop? Didn't Pharaoh say the next time he saw him, he was to die? Notice he didn't say I was going to kill you. He, he, he said, you're going to die. Y'all better get this principle right through here. But he didn't. So the question becomes, what died? Let me tell you what died in Moses. His pride. Come on here. He didn't say, I'm going to kill you the next time I see you. He says, you're going to be dead the next time I see you. Well, what needed to die? Your flesh needed to die, Moses. Your pride needed to die, Moses. Your arrogance needed to die, Moses. Your sense of entitlement needed to die. You went through ten plagues just so I could kill your pride. Somebody ought to holler, yes, Lord, right there. So look, 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 God kept hardening Pharaoh's heart because Pharaoh's natural inclination, look at me, please hear me, Pharaoh's natural inclination was to let them go. Bishop, how do you know that? Because you don't have to harden the heart of a man unless the man's natural inclination is to let the people go. Which means the reason God made Pharaoh against Moses was because he needed to see, for Moses to see himself because it was going to take Pharaoh to kill Moses' pride. What if the ten plagues never had to happen except Moses' pride demanded it? What hell are you going through that you didn't have to go through, but your pride brought it on you? I need you to just lift your hands and say, Lord, forgive me for my pride. Come on, say, say it again. Say, forgive me for my pride. Pharaoh was going to let the people go. So what's really going on? God hardens Pharaoh's heart to make Pharaoh's pride a mirror to Moses. Listen to the line. Because sometimes it takes your enemies. What's an enemy? Anything opposing your forward progress. It takes your enemy, look at me, to see your inner me. Your enemy is a mirror. You ain't never heard this about Moses before. Don't y'all look at me sitting in your living room talking about, mm, that's good, that's good, that's good. You ain't heard this before. 
You ought to at least wave your hand and say it's good. Look at me. God says to Moses, Pharaoh wants to let you go. I'm not going to let him let you go. Because I'm going to make you get up ten times and repeat the same cycle. Y'all ain't hear me. Some of you are like, why I keep going through this? God says, because your pride makes you go through it. <laughs> why I keep struggling with this? Because your pride makes you struggle through it. Why can't I seem to get over it? Because your pride makes you go through it. He says, I'm going to make you get up ten times, Moses, and go follow the same pattern. Go ask him. Then I'm going to tell him to say no. Not just because I want to get the glory over the Egyptians. I don't have to do all that to get the glory of the Egyptians. I could just smite all the Egyptians in one moment. I need you, Moses, to learn how to be consistent, watch me, to a process that tears down your pride. Everybody look at me. But some of you like, I've just been going through the same thing, the same thing. Look at me. Your enemy is a mirror. What is it in them that's really in you? Moses needed to see his pride, and he saw it through Pharaoh. Some of you, you got issues with your mama. She's your mirror. You got issues with your daddy. That's your mirror. You got issues with leadership. That's your mirror. You got issues with everybody. That's your mirror. You got issues with anything. I'm growing. Ain't nobody going to talk to me like that. That's why you don't have nothing to show for your life because your mirror is your enemy. Y'all ready? Moses didn't practice gratitude because of his pride. You ready? Which brings you to the last and final point of the message. And we're going to shout on this one. You ready? Gratitude. Watch me. Gratitude is consistent. What do you mean by that? Moses, get up and go ask Pharaoh. Get up, go ask Pharaoh. Get up, go ask Pharaoh. Get. What he didn't realize is in his consistency, God was breaking down his pride. Because pride would say, I ain't doing this no more. I'm sick of this. Look, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Everybody where people have done you totally dirty. And let me tell you, during this season, you just you suit up. Armor up, okay? Just be ready. <laughs> Got it? Hear me. Hear me. Be careful that you don't allow their inconsistency to make you inconsistent. I got to close this thing. Watch me. Moses, get up, go ask Pharaoh. 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 I ain't going to keep doing this. I ain't going to keep doing this. You're going to do what I said. You're going to learn to be consistent. You're going to learn to hush and do what I said, even if it ain't working. Because there's ten plagues, Moses. Come here. I need to perfect something in you before I promote your altitude. Come on, y'all. We're about to shout. I need to perfect something in you before I can increase your altitude. And Moses, before these people celebrate you as a great leader that set them free, I need you to get free from your own pride. Which brings me to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Come on, y'all. Let's close it out. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Watch consistency. In, watch this. Give thanks in what? All. So what does that mean? Be consistent. I'm faithful when I'm on top. I'm faithful when I'm not. I'm faithful when I feel good. I'm faithful when I don't. I'm faithful when things are great. I'm faithful when things are not. I am consistent. Can I get you to open your mouth and say, Lord, make me consistent. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. But this is the will of God in, uh, in Christ Jesus for you. Look at me. He says, listen, you being consistent, even in the midst, watch me, even in the midst of transition, change, uncertainty, 
Your consistency is going to break your pride. Your consistency will break your arrogance. It will break your sense of entitlement. Moses had to get up every day for 10 times to go say the same thing, to be told the same no. And God says, you're going to keep doing this until you get it. Watch me. This ain't for everybody. But just for those who are with me, when you finally got it, I need you to go book wild for five seconds. One, two, three, go. Oh! Come on, release a praise right there. Release a praise right there. Come on, Denver. Come on, Dallas. Come on, Atlanta. Come on, Chicago. Come on, Miami. Come on, Memphis. Come on, Los Angeles. In all things, give thanks. In all things, give thanks. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means, that not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. 
Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.